Hi friends, welcome to today's edition of the Why on Earth Communities Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series. I'm coming at you today up in the woods, up in the mountains, in one of my most favorite spots, one that I come to often to unplug, to connect with nature, and to drop into the incredible, expansive, awesome beauty that uh, is the reality of this planet. And I want to invite you to get out in the woods soon, give yourselves permission to take a walk, go be among the trees and get away from the technology in the buildings a little while if you are able. Well, today, unlike some of our other podcast episodes, we're not interviewing a friend. Instead, I thought it would be a fun change to share with you one of the chapters from Why on Earth. And I thought I'd actually cut right to the very last chapter, the 33rd chapter, which is called Culture. And as many of you know, the book covers so many interconnected topics, topics that are related to our personal health and well-being, uh, our levels of thriving in our own lives and our families, our homes, our communities, and getting ourselves deeply aligned with global strategies for regeneration, stewardship, and sustainability. Of course, love and care and joy and gratitude are essential to making all that happen and get to have a lot of fun doing it. What you may not realize, uh, given what the camera is showing you and, and what the microphone is picking up, is that I'm actually standing on a bit of a ledge over here and uh, it turned out to be one of the better spots with a little bit of uh, wind shelter for the microphone and some uh, sun shining overhead. Beautiful, beautiful sunshine today. So this is chapter 33, culture. We're creating it, you and I, right here, right now. Mahatma Gandhi told us that a nation's culture resides in the hearts and in the soul of its people. The Dalai Lama tells us that this generation has a responsibility to reshape the world. Start the task, even if it will not be fulfilled in your lifetime. Even if it seems hopeless now, never give up. Offer a positive vision with enthusiasm and joy and an optimistic outlook. And Pope Francis in Laudato Si tells us that we are the guardians of creation. So this is chapter 33 culture. We have a choice. A choice between hope and despair. A choice between stewardship and destruction. A choice between love and cynicism. A choice to heal. As we heal, we will encounter and draw from an ever-deepening well of hope. We will come to see more clearly the underlying whys of our lives. To see through the veil, 
we will come to see clearly which of the various rungs of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is ruling our reality. Are we being ruled by the forces of disembodied prophets and superficial image? Or are we cultivating true identities grounded in love, humility, and authenticity? As we come to see ourselves and our individual motivations more clearly, we will also see the broader fabric of our society with increasing depth and clarity. We will come to understand a powerful truth. We are our culture. We are both products of it and are creating it. Our identities, our motivations, our choices are all converging in a great tapestry that makes human culture on planet Earth. We will see that our culture is not some monolithic, predestined, autonomous thing out there. No, it is the ever-evolving fabric made up of all of our day-by-day -day choices. It informs how we run as a society, and why. And we inform it. To see through the veil of the consumer culture veneer that has emerged and taken hold over the past century, we must open our eyes, open our hearts, and open our minds. Our culture is like software. It shapes how we experience and interpret our world and how our world experiences and is impacted by us. If we are to fill our lives with love and humility, we must learn to see things as they really are, not as we've been lulled to assume them to be. We must reconnect. Reconnect to the soil, reconnect to our bodies and our minds, reconnect to our communities, reconnect to our impacts on the living world around us and on all of our brothers and sisters in our one great human family. To reconnect, we must connect the dots, dots that form a cohesive tapestry of truth and meaning, but dots that have become fragmented and disintegrated in our modern techno-consumer culture. We have connected many dots throughout Why on Earth, and there are so many more to connect. What dots will you seek out and connect in your life? Our quest to reconnect, to cultivate an ethos of sacred stewardship and mindfulness is essential to our health and well-being. It is a matter of our liberty. The sacred God-given freedom that defines and inspires our human quest Listening, thinking, and speaking, telling story, and celebrating the great story of our species' journey are essential to our freedom and to cultivating the world we really want. They are essential to our ability to get smarter and feel better as we cross the bridge from our modern industrial adolescence into a mature and caring ecozoic era that Thomas Berry and Brian Swim have envisioned and shared with us. As Barry writes, our only security lies in an integral human relation with the life systems of the planet. Every human activity, every professional role, every religious tradition must now be judged by the extent to which it inhabits, ignores, or fosters this mutually enhancing human-earth relationship. We need an ecozoic economics, an ecozoic medical practice, an ecozoic jurisprudence, and an ecozoic education. 
so too our religious and spiritual development lies in the transition from our present Cenozoic religious and spiritual life to life in an Ecozoic context. We live in a time when we have the power and opportunity to choose a pathway of thoughtful, caring synthesis. A pathway in which we plumb the depths of our cultural history, harvest gems of wisdom and understanding, and bear those gifts with us into the future. Not in atavistic naivete, but in determined and intentional awareness. Choosing to create our culture as Alistair McIntosh shares in Soil and Soul, I do not argue for going back to the past, but I will be suggesting that the past should be carried forward to inform the future. In this way, fresh light can be shed on the story of modern times and wisdom harnessed to knowledge. Harnessing wisdom and coupling it to the burgeoning knowledge of the modern era is paramount to creating the culture and future we really want. For until now, our mainstream techno-consumer culture has been awash in knowledge and bereft of wisdom. We need both. Without both knowledge and wisdom, we are flying blind. We cannot see the bigger picture. We cannot see the broader context nor properly perceive our own situation. Without the combination of wisdom and knowledge, we will miss the fact that we humans are at a tremendous crossroads. We're at an inflection point, the quality, magnitude, and scale of which we've never before seen as a species. We're connected technologically like never before, able to communicate instantaneously through one great digital internet that spans the globe. As if that fantastic noosphere posited just a century ago by Teilhard de Chardin is now showing up in our early space-age technologies. We're connected to and changing the very biological fabric of our home planet, the atmosphere, and the ocean, for there is truly just one of each, are reflecting back to us in their rapidly changing chemistry, the fact that we are living out of balance, out of cycle with Mother Nature, our Mother Earth. But at this crossroads, we have the power to choose our course and direction. We can choose to reconnect with the living soil, the humus. We can choose to cultivate our humility and to share and tell story and celebration and with humor. We can rediscover that our very humanity is intimately linked with the living soil that is our Earth's biological skin, forming a great blanket of life across the land. As we awaken to the epic story that unites us, the story of one humanity on one planet Earth, we will see our oikos, our place, in a whole new way. And we will understand that we are all living in one oikos, one ecology, one economy, the place that is our only home. We have the choice to cultivate our lives in the direction of sage poet farmer Wendell Berry when he tells us, it is possible, as I have learned again and again, to be in one's place, in such company, wild or domestic, and with such pleasure that one cannot think of another place that one would prefer to be, or 
of another place at all. One does not miss or regret the past or fear or long for the future. Being there is simply all and is enough. Such times give one the chief standard and the chief reason for one's work. As our understanding of our place in the universe becomes clearer and illuminated, we will come to understand that, yes, we need the economic market of commerce, but the market needs us too. It is not an infallible God. Quite the contrary. The market is incapable of generating love. Without our stewardship guidance, without our careful and thoughtful demand and our deliberate and balanced work, the market is a rudderless ship adrift in a nasty chaos of short-sighted selfishness. The market needs us to guide it, to shepherd it, to steward it well. To compel its relentless signals of demand, innovation, and supply into the flowing channels of restoration, compassion, stewardship, and gratitude. Otherwise, it will destroy us. If we do not choose well at the crossroads upon which we now stand, our global economy will undermine the fabric of life as we know it. We'll churn and chew and devour what is beautiful, what is sane, what is precious, and what is sacred. We must understand that this destruction is already underway. Right now. This is not some conjuring, some hypothetical, some narrow special interest conspiracy. This is the reality of what is happening in our lifetime to our world. To understand and care about this truth is not a special interest, it is especially in all of our interests. It is a unifying truth, the likes of which our species has never before encountered on such an epic scale. To become skillful shepherding captains of this great vessel of economy, we must internalize and embody the wisdom of Henry David Thoreau when he tells us, It is not enough to be busy. So are the ants. The question is, what are we busy about? And why? Our human proclivity to industriousness must now be guided and channeled into the sacred flowing rivers of ingenuity, stewardship, and creativity if we are to get where we really want to go. We must ask ourselves, am I healing the earth? Am I healing myself and cultivating the skills of stewardship? Am I practicing humility and gratitude for this utterly miraculous life? On earth. If we are to secure and accomplish the mission of bringing our economy into harmony with our ecology, we must harmonize our compassion and care with our work and demand. As Paul Hawken describes it, we need to imagine a prosperous commercial culture that is so intelligently designed and constructed that it mimics nature at every step, a symbiosis of company and customer and ecology. To enter into a realm of harmonized oikos, a realm of frugal superabundance, we will no longer see the rules of the economic system as zero-sum. 
with some winners and many losers. Nay, we will evolve our consciousness from which the very constructs of economic laws are generated and arrive at the win-win-win design paradigms, parameters and mandates as the new true laws of our oikos. This is what we mean by getting smarter. This is cultivating a new ethos. We will cultivate service-oriented conspiracies while realizing that consumerism, how, how we now know it is just a passing fad. Our children and our grandchildren will know as true that the consumerism that marked the past century is a mere fad, passing away into the annals of history. We will have the clarity to choose between two distinct paths, a choice articulated by Pope Francis. The world tells us to seek success, power, and money, he says, but God tells us to seek humility, service, and love. Our choice is not easy, but it is necessary. To choose the path of service and love requires grounded boldness, a steadfast commitment to stewardship, and a humble courage forged in the fires of our souls to alter our economy. An economy that, if left to the status quo, is rapidly destroying our home and our humanity. Which path we choose is up to us. Our guidance of economy is paramount. But our culture is also about so much more than our economy. In the essential triad of care, care of ourselves, care of each other, and our living planet, so much lies awaiting our attention outside the realm of buying and selling. We must see and cherish our sacred connection to divine creation, all of it. A sacred connection that is our birthright. We will then experience the magic of this superabundant earth creation, as Derek Jensen means magic. He says the time after is a time of magic. Not the magic of parlor tricks, not the magic of smoke and mirrors, distractions that point one's attention away from the real action. No, this magic is the real action. This magic is the embodied intelligence of the world and its members. This magic is the rough skin of sharks without which they would not swim so fast, so powerfully. This magic is the long tongues of butterflies and the flowers that welcome them. This magic is the brilliance of fruits and berries that groan to be eaten by those that then distribute their seeds along with the nutrients necessary for new growth. This magic is the work of fungi that join trees and mammals and bacteria to create a forest. This magic is the billions of beings in a handful of soil. This magic is the billion, billions of beings that live inside you that make it possible for you to live. This infinite miraculousness of our living earth and otherwise self-sustaining bio-regenerative life force of creation needs our help. She needs our healing efforts and our healing touch. And so many of us are energized and grateful to be called to serve God's creation in this critical time. We have right in front of us the possibility of coming together in a great confluence of love, 
creativity, and stewardship, and this process is already underway. Annie Leonard observes, Everywhere I go, she says, I meet people ready for change. People who are fed up with the exhaustion that comes from devoting one's life to the work-watch-spend treadmill. People who know in their hearts that it's wrong to treat the planet and whole groups of people as disposable. People who are challenging the bogus stories we've been fed for years and are writing their own about hope and love and working together to build a better future for everyone. In order to choose this path, we must become expert stewards of ourselves, of our own bodies, minds, and spirits. We must deliberately unplug from our technologies, connect organically with each other and with the living world around us. We must develop a discipline of delighting in the wonders of creation. This is not peripheral, this is not optional. For if we fail to cherish and celebrate the incredible beauty and sophistication and patterned complexity that is the fabric of our living world, we will fail to understand proper technique for stewardship. We will have committed a grave sacrilege against our Creator. We will have eschewed and desecrated Creator's divine work. That would be a display of bad manners at best. Rude, to say the least. Deadly in this case. Deadly to our psychosomatic spiritual well-being. Not delighting in God's creation is the recipe for crushing and despoiling our own souls. And this is something we each have the freedom and power to avoid. As we unplug, routinely disengage the digital technology and the market's constant hubbub of commerce, we open a space for our hearts and minds to connect with the wilder reaches, where the songs of birds, the sights of swaying trees, the aromas of sun-warmed soils are all around and occupy and fill our attention to an overflowing peace and abundance. We will heal and reverse the great disintegration that has been underway, as Thomas Berry observes, as we lose our experience of the songbirds, our experience of the butterflies, the flowers in the fields, the trees and woodlands, the streams that pour over the land and the fish that swim in their waters. As we lose our experience of these things, our imagination suffers in proportion, as do our feelings and even our intelligence. We can, if we will, reverse this trend. This is the gift, the choice that our Creator has put before us. If we cultivate connection with place, with living soil, with nourishing food, if we steward instead of conquer, if we create balance in our lives, if we demand care and compassion, if we envision a future that we really want and then pursue it through deep love and the hard but essential work of healing, we will get there. We will create the culture we really want. This means deliberately practicing the simple core activities of day-to-day -day life that we have explored together. This means getting out to nearby organic farms on a regular basis. This means cultivating our garden plots whether in an inner city or rural place. 
This means immersing in wilderness. If we have opportunities to travel to other places, it means seeking out the ecotourism, agrotourism, and service tourism experiences that await our discovery. Seeking farmers and mothers, teachers and leaders. Seeking the company of trees and comfort of forests. And seeking soil and planting seeds, literally and figuratively, wherever we go. Like ecozoic Johnny Appleseeds and Jenny Soilmakers, we need to become true heroes of humility. Heroes who understand the wisdom and import of Melissa Will, also known as the Empress of Dirt, when she exclaims, I am a gardener. What's your superpower? This is about embodying the timeless wisdom of our ancestors and elders. Like my grandpa Bear, whose garden became a training ground for me and many others. An eco-hero in his own right who survived prison camp and demonstrated right there in his humble backyard plot the value of the ongoing garden. The ongoing nourishment that makes for a true legacy. A life poured out and toward the next generations. Grandpa Bear, who demonstrated that his garden is essential, is victorious in meaning, love, and connection. Our opportunity to create this ecozoic culture together is predicated on our great awakening, on the emergence of a hyper-intelligence that is rooted in the natural intelligence of the living world. Together, we have the opportunity to create what Alistair McIntosh calls a metaculture, a connection at a level of the soul that goes deeper than superficial cultural differences, a connection simply by virtue of our underlying humanity. By getting smarter, feeling better, converging knowledge and wisdom, healing our planet. As we open our hearts and minds to the knowledge and wisdom of the ages, we will become you and I, the modern day wisdom keepers. We will continue planting the seeds in each other's hearts to make meals with friends and family and love and celebration, to spend more time outdoors and in our gardens than we do in front of mind-numbing screens, to deliberately cultivate the stories of our lives, like great poets writing love sonnets for the Creator, who understand our thread connection to the future. We will wake up one day, our children, our grandchildren will wake up one day and will say, as Alex Steffen has envisioned for the year 2115, in a speech titled, A Talk Given at a Conservation Meeting a Hundred Years from Now, we live today on a healing planet. Yes, much has been lost, but much was saved or restored or reinvented. And what was saved and healed and made anew has become a powerful legacy. Those gifts became the seedbeds from which sprouted our new world. Those seeds of hope were saved and planted and tended to by the people who made the decision that they would live as if the future mattered, as if nature mattered, as if we mattered. These were visionary people, responsible people, courageous people. All around the world, our best ancestors took up the challenge of leaving a different, bolder legacy, one not of error and loss, but of leadership, stewardship, and innovation. 
on every continent and in every sea, some of our most important wild places were made safe. Ecological restoration was begun. Species were saved. In the face of planetary catastrophe, the tide was turned. If today, in the 22nd century, we live in an era of optimism and hope, it is because some of our ancestors, in the dawn of the 21st, lived in a time of clarity and commitment. When they understood the planetary crisis they faced, their answer was not cynicism or surrender, but to seek out others and together meet the crisis with action. When they rose in the morning, they put their hands to not only the common tasks of providing for their families and communities, but the exceptional work of honoring their kinship with those who would live in generations to come and laboring on our behalf to leave a bright green world. When they sat to eat together, they not only nourished their bodies, they nourished their connection to earth itself and reminded themselves that humanity lives within this planet, not apart from it. When they too counseled together, they felt the hopes of their children's children's children keeping them company. They made ambitious plans. When they rose to speak, they spoke not for themselves, but for human possibility and the renewed bounty of life on earth. Where these ancestors gathered, heroes gathered. And when they departed, they had given us back our future. This is the possibility, the call of our legacy together, you and I. Let us envision and create a healing world where our food nourishes our bodies and minds, where we restore living soil, where we eliminate the cancerous chemicals from our water and air and land, where people no longer become sick and diseased because we are poisoning our homes. Let us become the heroes we have been called to be, where clean, organic, fresh, nutrient-dense foods are the norm and the several decades-long fad of wanton consumerism is left in the dust. By heroes pursuing not the mere appearance of joy and fulfillment, but its authentic experience. Let us create the culture we really want. A culture of care. In this culture of care, we will integrate home and work, our spiritual lives and our lives as economic actors. We will cultivate integrity in our lives, in our communities, and in our society. I'll take a moment to pause and just show you the image of a culture of care. It's a diagram, a little thought map. <clears throat> oh, I'm having so much fun out here sharing this with you. The wind is blowing. It's perfect temperature, just enough to feel invigorated. And I just want to take the opportunity to remind you that this is an episode of the Why on Earth Communities Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series. My name's Aaron William Perry, and today I'm reading to you from the 33rd chapter, the final chapter of my book, Why on Earth, and the chapter is called Culture. I just want to mention as well that if you'd like, you can go to whyonearth.org. That's the letter Y-O-N-E-A-R-T-H dot org. 
and you can get your own printed copy of the book or if you would like you can use the code podcast to get a discount on the audiobook or the ebook version of this as well as our other digital products there are several so it's such a joy to be with you friends and i hope you're enjoying this episode there's just a little bit more to go in the chapter that concludes the book so let's get back to it So let us celebrate with humility. Let us celebrate with humor. Let us celebrate the living humus upon which we stand and upon which our living humanity depends. We are alive in a watershed moment in the long story of our species. A tremendous inflection point of human evolution. We have been chosen by virtue of the simple fact that we are alive right now. We are each chosen. We live in a wonderful time of immense power, a power of knowledge and energy unimaginable a few generations ago. And the accumulation of our choices, our daily dances and core activities are determining the direction of our lives. We have the choice to create ourselves, our identities, our being songs. We have the immense opportunity and responsibility of being the authors of our lives. What story will we write? How far beyond the veil will we venture? How deeply will we look inside and come to know ourselves? Heal ourselves. Steward ourselves. How clearly will we ask again and again what is motivating us? What is our why? Where on the rungs of Maslow's hierarchy of needs are we sitting and being guided by the complex mechanisms of our minds and bodies and communities. With eyes open, we will ask ourselves again and again, why? What cultural atmosphere will we create? What ethos, what essential character of our times? We are smart. We have the ability to change and grow. We have powerful wills. If we choose optimism, humor, joy, and gratitude, we will have the capacity to realize a century of regeneration and sustainability, of health and well-being. It all begins right here, right now, with our place and our food, with simple core activities, with daily disciplines of delight, with our connection to soil in our own homes and neighborhoods. In the end, this is a choice between cynicism and faith, Faith that we can and will rise to our greatest challenge and will indeed create the future that we really want. We will create a culture of authentic experience, not mere appearance. This is our future. This is the culture we are creating together. To get there, we must ask ourselves, what is our why? Why on earth? couple concluding quotes here, a few in fact. So E.O. Wilson tells us, you are capable of more than you know. Choose a goal that seems right for you and strive to be the best, however hard the path. Aim high, behave honorably, prepare to be alone at times and endure failure. Persist, the world needs all you can give. Frijof Capra tells us, We do not need to invent sustainable human communities. 
We can learn from societies that have lived sustainably for centuries. We can also model communities after nature's ecosystems, which are sustainable communities of plants, animals, and microorganisms. Since the outstanding characteristic of the biosphere is its inherent ability to sustain life, a sustainable human community must be designed in such a manner that its technologies and social institutions honor, support, and cooperate with nature's inherent ability to sustain life. And Chardin tells us, There is almost a sensual longing for communion with others who have a large vision. The immense fulfillment of the friendship between those engaged in furthering the evolution of consciousness has a quality impossible to describe. Now, that's the concluding chapter. I hope you'll experience the whole book. And I said that we just read Culture, which is the 33rd and final chapter of the book. However, there is a little epilogue called Our Story. It's just on one page, and I, I want to share it with you. This is the one we're writing together, and this is not a dress rehearsal. I look forward to what you will make happen. Thank you for tuning in today. And just give you a quick view for those of you on the video with me of this incredible place. You can see here I'm kind of perched on a bit of a ledge. Got some amazing views over here. Thank you for tuning in.